Hello. Hi, is this Dionisia Hope? Yes, this is me. How are you? Hey, this is Aisha, your friend from Recovery Road. Thank you so much for joining me um, tonight. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. So just a little bit for those that may be listening for the first time here on Recovery Road, what we do is we share, discuss, and explore multiple pathways to recovery from both mental health and substance use. I, as your host, believe that everyone can recover. So I have with me my best friend who has a podcast called Speaking Hope by Darnesia Hope. She is also a published author and writer. Um, One of her books is available. Two of her books are actually available on Amazon. Um, One is called Sips of My Grandmother's Coffee, and the other is called A Dope Boy's Resume. So um, the first thing that I would like to do is share the Georgia's uh, definition of recovery. Recovery is deeply personal, unique, and self-determined journey through which an individual strives to reach his or her full potential. Persons in recovery improve their health and wellness by taking responsibility and pursuing a fulfilling and contributing life while embracing the difficulties that one has faced. Recovery is not a gift from any system. Recovery is nurtured by relationships and environments that provide hope, empowerment, choices, and opportunities. Recovery belongs to the person. It is a right and it is the responsibility of us all. For today, the first uh, two words, the two words that will be used for our podcast today are recovery and quarantine. There were two definitions for quarantine. I will be honest and say I didn't like the first one or the second one. (laughs) So I'm just going to take the shortest version, which is impose isolation. For a lot of us and those of you that don't know my story, I am also a person in long-term recovery. um, And I have had past challenges with both substance use and mental health challenges. For me, multiple pathways is something that has been an intricate part of my recovery. For me, I believe that a path that a person chooses is totally up to them and should never be imposed by another person. So, Darnesia Hope. Yes. How are you? um, How are you doing um, during this quarantine? And um, how are you taking care of yourself? Well, I've been doing good throughout the quarantine. I want to say thanks for the wonderful introduction. Um, in dealing with the quarantine, it it's kind of mirrors my mental health experience overall. I'm the type of person I basic. I'm, I'm a homebody. I stay at home. I mind my business. I enjoy my family. I like the write and read and those are two things a few things that I have been doing before the quarantine and also during the quarantine to just try to stay centered thank you for sharing that 
I know a lot of the uh, individuals and peers that I work with um, right now, I believe that a lot of people are having a really hard time, but then there's also those wellness and recovery warriors, you know, and I believe that for us, uh, even more so at a time like this, it's important that we hold hope for those that don't have any hope right now until they're able to do it for themselves. So today was a very important day for me. And I felt like, um, hey, what better time than now? Um, I'm going to ask you a few questions and I'll just ask that, which I know you will, be as honest, raw and transparent as you can. Um, because I believe that people need to know that those that are in recovery, we are real people and that people have an opportunity and a chance to recover. I know that a lot of times when people are dealing with substance use challenges, um, past or present, as well as mental health challenges, a lot of times people feel like their life is limited. If there was a solution to your diagnosis, um, and I'll let you share that, um, what would that look like from your perspective? Um. A solution, I think that would be um, maintaining balance. I think a lot of times we are quick to attach um, mental health labels to people's situations. I think it's real easy to say that um, a person is crazy or something like that. Because I mm -hmm. always would say it about myself prior to the diagnosis, my own diagnosis or whatever. So I think um, in seeking a solution, I think any every individual would have to define what that solution looks like for themselves. I think there's a lot that goes into healing. And from a first-person perspective, the individual who has the diagnosis has to be actively involved in their own recovery for it to happen. I know, you know, people have family around them and they want their family to be supportive. But I think it first starts with that person. And um, you, you said something about timing. I think God's timing is always perfect. So for me, with my um, healing, I don't place a timeline on it. And in any situation, like I don't let people rush me. I, I say like, I'm not a Russian or whatever. So I just, you know, take one day at a time, try to take things as they come. I love that. I'm not a Russian. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> I like that. You guys are going to love her wordplay because it's absolutely amazing. So yeah. Um, thank you for sharing that. I think I totally agree with you about as far as a solution I think that each person's solution is unique to the individual you know like because for me I remember when I first got into substance abuse and I was like yes I need I mean recovery you know and I was like yes oh yeah they have a sponsor I should get a sponsor right and I should you know go to these 12-step meetings and all these things and honestly I, I didn't like it I'm not for or opposed. I feel like everything isn't for everybody, but there are so many things that I do for myself. Like <clears throat> I connect um, with my, my support system. I have a really great support system. I can count them on one hand cause I keep it, you know, really close and tight with people that I feel would look out for my best interest and would do it in a non judgmental, but still honest and raw way that I can respect when I need that. 
Um, and I, like you said, it's, it is unique, but I think that people need to know kind of like, like you said, you have to be a part of the solution. You know, it's like, um, I remember a time in my life when I felt like really angry about a lot of things and I thought, well, they owe me and they could be anybody at any given time. Right. And so I realized that I was basically just sitting back waiting for somebody else to fix me. And I realized that like, if anything was going to change, I needed to drive my own bus and take some personal responsibility. So I definitely can relate to that. Yeah. With the um, recovery meetings, because I do know people who have attended them and then uh, I guess the textbook or the television, the way they put them out, where you, where you go to the recovery means and everybody's like, hi, my name is, and with my right. name being Darnesia, I feel like it's hard to remain anonymous with a name like Darnesia. So I would also be opposed to that type of setting for myself, but it may be what another person needs. So, I mean, I think it's an uh, individualized approach, no one size fit all approach to mental health or recovery. Thank you for saying that. You know what? You bring up a lot of good things. And actually, what I, you just encouraged me and reminded me of is hey, I'm no longer anonymous, right? Because I feel like <clears throat> in order for me to share my story, I feel like there will be one person, if, even if it's just one person sitting in the back of the room, quietly suffering or thinking that no one is experienced what they're experiencing. They're the only one because I remember feeling that way. So today I'm not anonymous. You know, I choose to share my story, speak it out loud and be proud of who I am and my experiences, because that's the very same thing that's going to support someone else. The next question that I have for you is when you first received your diagnosis, were you told about recovery from anyone? Um, my, um, the diagnosis came out the minute and it was almost, well, the doctors, they, they don't really like to rush, uh, with the diagnosis. So it came over a while. Mm-hmm. And they attached it to diabetes. They so told me that not having a person with schizophrenia not taking their medicine would be almost the same as a person with diabetes not taking their insulin. And my father was diabetic, so it was kind of a touchy subject for me. And it was like, I don't want to suffer with schizophrenia when I can live and thrive with it. Yes. Yes. Um, that's something that I uh, shared at the end of my story not too long ago. And I said, you know, part of the reason I think that um, I'm so excited about doing this, even though it's uncharted territory, is that I feel like people, man, it's almost the exact same words that I said. I want people to know that they don't have to live in addiction when they can die, um, I'm sorry, don't have to die in addiction when they can live and thrive in recovery. And that's from any, you know, recovery from anything. What have you learned about recovery since then? <clears throat> um, I think it's a lot of different aspects to it. Um, I think some people like to place a timeline on healing. And I like to say you can't look at a person and tell what they've been through or whatever. So... <laughs> 
you never know where a person is in their recovery when you approach them. So I try to take that into account. That's amazing. So when it comes to um, what is one thing that you hope or something, it doesn't have to be one thing. What is something you hope to see more of in the future for people in recovery from mental health challenges? Um, well, I'm here in Atlanta. We're here in Atlanta, and it's a lot of homeless people. My interaction with people on the regular are people who are probably not getting the services that are available. Um, I think of the people who have no residence and that maybe live on the bridges or whatnot. They don't have a way to even get the ID that's required to get Medicaid. And it's like with with what's going on now, I had a visit with my doctor today. It was a televisit, but everybody doesn't have access to a phone. Everybody doesn't have an address where they can get their medicine mailed to. So in like the universal healthcare, I would like to see it reach down to the outskirts of society and help the people who've been marginalized by society because at the end of the day if you're having a psychotic episode or in need of recovery you should not have to have certain things like an id like it should be if it's obvious that this person needs help i don't think a ten dollar government issue id should stop this person from receiving help Thank you I think it's a lot that can be done on the city, state, local, federal level to help people with mental health. Uh, a lot of veterans suffer from mental, mental health issues, and they are, mm-hmm. for the most part, ignored by society, in my opinion. Thank you for sharing that. I concur. Um, I think also, like you said, a huge percentage of the people that I work with and continue to work with in the work that I do Um, A lot of people are homeless. And so one of the things that I would find at old places that I would work is um, they would constantly want us to like go get them and bring them here so they can do group or go get them so they can see the psychiatrist. But I really think and that is where I disagreed and and got into the same type of work, just in a different place. Um, The company that I work for now, they absolutely love um, their people. And so I think trying to find um, housing for people, I mean, there's a lot of people that I work with that live, veterans and all, um, that are homeless. And so how can the expectation be for a person that they will show up to a doctor's appointment every week or twice a month when they don't have bus fare or don't even know where they're going to sleep at night? To me, it's backwards. And I believe that um, supportive housing and things like that should be expanded. I believe that um, um, more resources should be made readily available, like you said, because there are people out there that are suffering in silence. And if anybody knows about the morbidity to mortality rate, it says that uh, individuals who are lived with a mental health challenges, mental health challenges die on average of 25 years sooner than a person that does not. What does that say to me? 
that says to me that sometimes the other parts of the person get ignored. That says to me that if I'm going to be working with the person that has mental health challenges, I also need to check in with their physical challenges and their health as well. And so I believe that people should be treated holistically, mind, body, and spirit. Um, When I think about multiple pathways, um, I had briefly mentioned earlier that there are so many things that I have to do for myself. I have to make sure that I get enough sleep. I have to rest. Sometimes I have to take a time out and just, I call it retreat for a day or two, you know, to just um, realign myself. I have to get exercise. Um, There are so many different things, you know, that I have to do to take care of myself. But I also like Um, somewhat of keeping like a consistent schedule because it keeps me accountable. Um, And so um, I I believe that uh, as if any of you have heard my introduction, you, you have heard me say that I believe that everyone can recover. Um, Thank you so much, Darnesia, for sharing your story. Again, uh, Darnesia Hope's podcast is Speaking Hope. Um, and she is a published author. Mm-hmm. Her books can be found on Amazon. Uh, one is titled Sips of My Grandmother's Coffee, and the other one is entitled A Dope Boy's Resume. Um, you want to share anything else? Um, my email is darnesia at gmail. If anyone wants to um, get in contact with me about it for any reason, that's about it. And thank okay, you for having awesome. me. You're very welcome. Thank you for being a part of this. There are three resources that I would like to leave for you if you or someone you need, uh, you know, um, needs peer support. The Georgia Mental Health Consumer Network operates a peer-to-peer warm line. They provide peer support for people that are in recovery from mental health challenges. Um, There's no specific age for the person. Um, I believe it, or it may be 18 and up. Um, but I'm sure that, like, I guess if a teenager wants to call, they could. Become, um, the phone number is 888-945-1414. That is a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week, free peer-to-peer warm line for anyone in the state of Georgia. If you call and they don't answer the phone, please leave your name and number. And as soon as they get off of the previous call, they will return your call. If you need support or are seeking support from substance use challenges, please call the CARES Warm Line. That number is um, 1-844-326-5400. They operate seven days a week from the hours of 8.30 a.m. to 11 p.m. If you or someone you know is experiencing a crisis, please call the Georgia Crisis and Access Line at 1-800-715-4225. And just remember, we believe in you and we believe in your recovery. You can have a great life. We are mapping the road to recovery. Until next time, be safe and take care.